Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Did you know that you can explore the foundations of classical education with a dynamic online community? A one-year program, the Circe Atrium explores the foundations of Christian classical education with online classes and discussions. The Atrium now features five courses. Participants can choose one course or any combination. These courses include Heidi White on classical pedagogy, Andrew Kern on classical rhetoric, Matt Bianco on Plato's Republic, and Wes Callahan on The Divine Comedy or The Iliad. Through exclusive live webinars and online discussion, the Atrium offers a forum for contemplation and collaboration, a place to linger and take pleasure in the depths of the Christian classical tradition alongside like-minded fellow educators. We provide the platform. You bring the desire for wisdom and virtue. Together, we make the community. To learn more, head over to circeinstitute.com atrium. Welcome back to the Way to Fatherhood podcast. This is your host, Brian Phillips. I'm thrilled to kick off this second season of the podcast in the same way that we ended the first season. Uh, that's with a roundtable discussion. So I'm once again joined by a couple of Cersei dads, Brandon LeBlanc, who's the, the VP of Integrated Resources at Cersei, and Matt Bianco, who is the COO at Cersei. So, uh, and more importantly, we're all husbands and fathers for the purpose of this episode. That's going to be pretty important. So guys, thanks for joining me today. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So this season, the main focus is going to be on dads and the women in our lives. So our wives and daughters. Um, And each of us on the show today have both a, a wife and at least one daughter. And we're also all men, which means that we need help when it comes to being what we ought to be. Uh, for our wives and our daughters. And so I think it's a, an important focus for this season. We're going we're gonna to veer into some other directions as well, into some other topics, but the overall theme, the main focus is going to be on that. Uh, how can we be what we ought to be as husbands and fathers to our daughters? So uh, I want to start off with a, a kind of softball question here. Um, how long have have you been married? And I'll answer all these questions too. How long have you been married? And then how many kids do you have? And what are their, what are their ages um, that sort of give everyone a sense of where we're coming from in this discussion. So um, let's start with you, Matt. I have been married this August. I don't know when this episode airs, but this coming August, 2021, I will have my 25th anniversary, wedding anniversary. Good. And then my wife and I. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, we dated for three years before that. So we've been, we've known each other for 28 years, basically since we were eight and not really, but <laughs> we were very young. We started very young. So 25 years of marriage. And then I have a daughter. She's my youngest, the youngest of my three children. And she is 20. We'll be 21 in July. So you're kind of the old man of the group then, right? You've been married longer and have older children than, than Brandon and I do. But My youngest child is older than your oldest children. 
right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course you have, you have two sons as well. Um, you don't have to leave them out of this episode. You can still claim them even though we're talking about daughters, but, um, all right. So Brandon, what about you? Um, so my marriage is younger than Matt's youngest child. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, we also are coming up on a milestone. We will be celebrating, uh, 20 years in July. So they've been coming up. Um, and I have three children. The youngest two are daughters, 15 and 13, and then one son, obviously. All right. So, um, we're, so all three of us, I didn't know this until right now, but all three of us are celebrating milestone anniversaries this year because my wife and I have been married. It'll be 20 years in June. So I'm, I'm one month ahead of you. Brandon, but yeah, so we're all celebrating big anniversaries coming up. Shannon and I um, have known each other since we were teenagers. I believe she was 15. I was 17, but uh, we got married um, almost 20 years ago now. We have four children, uh, two boys and two girls, and the girls are the oldest and youngest. So our, our girls are 13 and six, um, about to have birthdays in May. But um, yeah, so so I guess mine are, mine are the youngest of, of the three of us today. So um now, that being said, we're all kind of approaching this discussion about being fathers to daughters uh, at different points in life. You know, Matt, your daughter is is in college, um, which she'll be done pretty soon, right? You know, she's over halfway done, correct? Yeah, she's finishing up her junior year this year. Wow. Okay. Um, and then, you know, it goes down to Brandon and I both have teenager, teenage daughters. And then I've got another daughter who is six. So uh, we're kind of spanning a big range here, which is good for this conversation. So uh, we're all at those different stages. Um, so what is it like being a father, keeping your daughters in mind? What, what is it like being a, a father to your daughters at this stage in life? Um, and by that, I mean, at the stage that they're in, um, what are the big blessings and challenge and challenges that you're facing right now as a father to your college age daughter or your teenage daughter or so on? Brandon, you want to start? Uh, sure. They, yeah. So I have two younger teen daughters and then my son, just a little bit older. He's a teenager as well. Yeah. So this stage of life is where boys are are interested in girls and girls are interested in boys. Um, and so it's, it's dealing with the travails of all that, uh, is a lot of it. And it's, it's definitely different with my son. It's, there's a, there's a lot, there's a sense of instructing him on how to behave in that kind of, in those situations or moving toward that, which happens with my daughter too. But there's this added element of, um, being on guard for, whatever knuckleheads come skulking around. <laughs> so, uh, it's a different feel. Right. Um, Matt, what about you? It's, um, it's different. It's interesting. Like I remember going through that where, where it was, I don't want her to grow up. I don't want her to be around boys. <laughs> I mean, not that I ever like actively act pretend you know, acted on those things, but I thought those things, I felt those things. And then now I don't necessarily think that way. Although I suppose that could depend on the guy who came around the, uh, Oh, sure. <laughs> I, I think what, what's interesting for me at this age is that I kind of want her to see her kind of go into her own and, and, you know, start her own family and, and life and kind of the excitement of what that might look like, whatever her choices were. But the thing that the thing that stands out to me the most about our relationship today is, um, you know, that that funny line from I think it's Mark Twain, where he says something like, when I was 18, my parents were the dumbest people I knew. And then I left. I, I went away for four years. And when I came back, they were the smartest people I knew. And and then he says they learned so much in four years. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Right. Like like four years ago. I don't know the relationship with my daughter now and the relationship I was there four years ago, like there's, there's much more, um, there's much more, I don't know what the word is, but there's more, like we have more in common. We have more, there are more things that we like to just sit around and talk about mm -hmm. and, and just have conversations about where it seems like four years ago, there was more of a sense of avoiding me because I was dad and I was annoying or whatever, you know, whatever. I don't know what her thought process was in that, but and now it's almost like she kind of seeked me out. And, and so they, when she was young, little, th th there was that. And then there was this kind of time where it was like, you oh, know, there's dad. 
say, hi, dad. Okay, go away. And then, and now it's more of kind of seeking me out and wanting to spend time with me. So it's interesting. Yeah. I think we all go through those phases with you though, Matt. Fair. Where, you know, like, oh, there's Matt. And then it's like, oh, there's Matt, you know? So, I mean, I wouldn't take it too personally. It's not, um, or maybe take all of it personally. I don't know, but no, I, I, I think I'm starting to see, um, with, with temperance, say, uh, she's our oldest daughter that, the now that she's she's read a lot of the same books that I've read she's seen a lot of the same movies she's having some of the same shared experiences and so the older she gets the deeper more and this might be a bad thing but the more complicated our conversations get you know when they're little you can answer a lot of their questions because the questions are black and white and now as she's getting older and she's a she's a very wise young lady um and so it is getting a little more complex, but it's, but it's fascinating to see how she's growing in her thinking and, and is maturing. And, but because she's also our oldest, that is an interesting experience because we're facing those stages and developments with her first, right? So as a dad, I've had to tell her so many times, I'm, I'm just trying to figure this out. You know, I'm praying for wisdom too. And, and, I think God gives a lot of grace to the firstborn because um, the parents, I mean, we don't know what we're doing. You know, it's not to say we're idiots, but we haven't been through that, that stage with them, with a child before, <coughs> excuse me. So, so with temperance, I think we're, it, it's exciting to see that. And there is part of me that, you know, oh, I hate to see her growing up so fast, but there is also that mix of emotion with I'm excited to see who she, who she is growing up to be uh, the young lady she's becoming. And I think in a sense, she might be more nervous about growing up than I am about her growing up. You know I mean? When, when I remind her that in just a couple of years, she'll have her, you know, her permit to drive, you know, or in a few years she can be driving. And, you know, I think she's more frightened of that than I am, but I guess we'll see how well she does. You know, I might become rapidly more frightened <laughs> than her. So, um, but with Ellie, our youngest, she's six. And so she is just a bundle of energy and enthusiasm and, you know, like a lot of six-year-olds are, but, uh, but she is, um, she's still asking a lot of questions, but, um, you know, I feel a little bit more prepared to deal with that because she's the fourth, you know, the fourth child. Uh, so, and she's growing up differently than, than the older kids did. Uh, because by the time you're outnumbered as a parent, you just sort of give up on a lot of the things, <laughs> that, <laughs> the things that were a really big deal with the oldest or, you know, your first two kids, you're like, you know, uh, I don't, it's not that big a deal. It's really not. <laughs> And there's no way we can, we can deal with all of it. So it, it, there are big blessings and then challenges, of course, that come along with all those, all those stages that we're in. But so this might be the shortest, um, shortest section of the podcast. Uh, the, my next question that I want us to give some thought to is um, what advice would you give to a new dad with a daughter? So we're going to share our collected wisdom, which is why it might not take that long, but um if you were, to, if you had a, a, a young dad come to you and they just had their first daughter, what advice would you give to him about fathering his, his daughter? What have you learned over the years? I've learned that I am much more like Socrates than I ever thought. All I know when it comes to daughters and wives for that matter is that I know nothing. I don't, I don't know the answer to that question, but I can tell you that what I've tried to do is what is the advice that I received when I became a father. I kind of don't like sharing this advice because it's one of those things where it sounds like I'm being overly, I'm overly generalizing about women and, and then somebody who is an exception to this rule could take offense to it. And I don't want that to be the case, but I also know Man. like there are exceptions to rules. Right. And so we just have to accept yeah. Well, this is America, so someone's going to be offended by any, any and everything that you say. So, Including the thing you just said. So. <laughs> right. Uh <-huh. laughs> so acknowledging that I'm a guy and I don't know anything about women, I, this is what I was told, that people 
Well, I'm putting it in terms of people now, but actually what it, what was said to me was in terms of young girls, that girls will seek out the thing that's lacking in their lives. And if there is, if there is love and attention from the father lacking in their lives, they will seek that out from somewhere else. And because the, it, because it's lacking from the father, from a man, what I was told was that they would go seek it out from other men. That if the father doesn't love them the way he ought, then they will go looking for that love and that attention in other men. And when they're older, that attention might be more physical. And so I've always tried to be consciously aware of that and just be very, very, just just love my daughter as much as I can and, you know, hug her and 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 hold her and and kind of right. show her that that what what that looks like appropriately between a father and a daughter, you know? And yeah. and and try to protect her from from having that lack or that void in her own life and in her own soul so that she wouldn't need it anywhere else because she got it from the person she was supposed to get it from. Mm. Yeah, I I think I think that's good advice. I've I've been given similar advice and I've I've heard it elsewhere as well. I I think it's true for people in general. I think the reaction is is different. Of course, you're talking about different specifics, but our sons are that way. If they don't get the attention and, and guidance and affection from their father, then they're going to they're going to feel a, a gap, a void there as well. Um, and it's the same way with sons and their moms. You know, they uh, they need that as well. So I, I mean, I think it's definitely true. Uh, Brandon, what about you? Yeah, I, I got some similar advice to, to Matt, and I think I, I would I would agree that that's I think valid that, that those people will seek that out in various ways. It'll manifest in different different ways. Um, but what I was thinking was something that's I guess somewhat adjacent to that. Um, you know, there's this, and again, it's not true for everyone. Um, it's if there's a really bad relationship with a parent, it may go the complete 180 other direction, but there's also a tendency a lot of times to, to seek out someone similar to your parent. Right. Um, you know, the people joke about women marry their married someone that's like their dad or vice versa. Men marry someone that's like their mother. So for me, that, that, like thinking about that, being told that, and then uh, there was this idea of quickly, well, if, if that's the case, then I need to think about what type of man I would want my wife to seek or to be sought by. And then you want your daughters, the kind sorry, of man you want your daughter, daughter. Sorry. Daughter. Too many. What kind of man? Yeah. What kind of man I would like for my daughter to be the wife of, uh, how about that? The, and if she's going to get that image from me, then I've got to try and live up to that same standard, right? If that's a standard I'm setting for guy, that's good enough for my daughter, then I've got to be, I've got to, I've got to, kind of manifest that, that standard for her, which is scary right. and a lot of responsibility. And now entering, you know, now that there's been some boys that girl, my daughters have been interested in, I go, dang it. That guy is like me, but not in the way I was <laughs> not always in the way. I was. It's like, I see some of the same problems with that teenager right. that I had as a teenager. And so, yeah, but on the serious side, they also some good things that they, that they are looking for and uh, they're noticing in those, in those young men. So I think there's a, a reality to that and that the picture we give them of what a good spouse partner is for a woman is going to influence the, what they pick up on and look for from. So it's kind of, it's kind of the, maybe the flip side from what Matt was saying, right? If there's this big, huge lack, they're going to go looking for that lack and may, that may manifest itself in, in some ugly ways of boys and girls. But if they're not, but at the same time, if there, if there's things they picked up on is like, this is what it's supposed to be. That's what they're going to search for too. And that, if that's not the right things, then they're, then they're going to put too much weight on the wrong things. So that just that trying to having to kind of be an example for them, um, which will tie into, you know, talking about our interaction with our wives in a lot of ways, but. Yeah. And I think particularly if, if we're giving advice to new dads, I think all three of us could think back to what it was like when we, you know, when you have your first child, it's, it's scary, you know? Um, when I, I felt <laughs> like when we, when we brought temperance home from the hospital, I remember when we got there and there's, you know, doctors gone, nurses are gone. And I'm thinking we should probably get some help here. You know, I mean, <laughs> this, they just let us bring this child home with us. 
you know, I mean, <laughs> what are, we don't know what we're doing, you know? Uh, so it was, it was a very, very surreal and anxious feeling, you know, to have, to have your first child. And, and for me, since our oldest is uh, a daughter, one of our daughters, that was even more so because, um, you know, being a, being a father to a son, there's a little bit more that's understood about the way that boys act, you know, so as, as a dad, like I know what I was like as a boy, I see my sons do things and there are times that I'm like, why in the world would he do that? And then, Oh yeah, that's right. You know? And, but most of the time I see my sons do things and I get it. Like I remember being that way as a boy with, with my daughters though, it's a little different. So, but that anxiousness, that worry that we have as new dads is, um, is something that I think is natural and normal, but that's something that I would want to address with a new dad, particularly a dad of a daughter is that you, you do, you do have what it takes to be what you need to be for your daughters. And that's not, I'm not trying to be, you know, like a motivational speaker here or, you know, or overly simplistic in this, that what I mean by that um, to put it maybe in a better way is that God gave you your daughter. So you are the father that she needs, right? So act like it, you know, don't, don't let your nervousness or anxiety over trying to be perfect, keep you from being good, right? You know, the enemy of the, the good is the perfect, right? So I, I think that echoing everything that you two just said, you know, trying to be the man that you would want her to value and look for later in a, in a husband, right? Uh, I, I want my kids to be able to look to my wife and I and say, I want to have a marriage like that. You know, and of course they're young enough now where they're, none of them are really thinking about it that way, especially the boys, you know, they're still at that stage of, I'm not getting married. You know, every, every boy says that at some point. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I think that, I think that's really good advice, you know, but, but trying to be, trying to be perfect can sometimes, um, lead to more discouragement as a father, you know, but trying to be the model that, uh, that they need is, is a, is a, um, a helpful thing. And remembering that, you know, if, if God has given you your children, then you are the father they need. I mean, you're, they're yours. So now let's transition here just into a, a couple of other things because this season, we're not just talking about our, our daughters, but also our relationship with our wives. So since we're husbands, as well. Let's, let's talk about this. This is admittedly a a tough one, tough question, but what's, what's the most valuable life lesson that you've gotten from your marriage? What have you, what have you learned um, in your time being married? I mean, Matt, you're almost 25 years now, Brandon, you and Kobe have been, you're going on 20 years. Shannon and I are going on 20 years. Surely we have learned something valuable in all of that time. If you had to pinpoint one, we won't say it's the most important. How about we just say an important lesson that you've learned? Because saying the most important, that's impossible. I don't know how we would qualify that. So what's, the, what's an important lesson that you've gained from your, from your marriage? Something you've learned about yourself or something you've learned about life in general? All right, Matt, I think it's your turn. Brian, I think you overestimate my ability to learn things. <laughs> Surely I've learned something <laughs> in this time. Have I though? We'll see. I bet my wife would say I have it. Um, <laughs> okay, what has Patty taught you about life? <laughs> what Patty has told me I should be learning. <laughs> I still struggle with. I don't I don't know. It's a hard question. It really is. And especially but thank you for like taking away the requirement that it be the most important because that would make it even you know, more difficult. Yeah, that's, that's a bit much. That's a bit much. I think, um, I think that probably the thing that I would draw attention to that I would, that I'm myself am drawn to is I think that when we married, I was so young and stupid and, and also really stinking selfish. Like, you know, Brandon said earlier that, you know, boys grow up to marry somebody that's like their mother, but I didn't marry somebody to be my mother. But I think for a, a long part yeah. of my marriage, that's how I acted. Like she was there to support me 
in everything that I was doing, whether that was getting up in the morning, whether that was um, packing my bags for a trip, whether that was breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever it was, or my dreams. And I have these aspirations and these goals for my career or for my finances or whatever, my education. It was always like her role was to be the wind beneath my wings, right? She was the one behind me kind of doing everything and just taking care of me and babying me or, or, or that's what I expected. Even, even not, not always to the worst degree possible, of course, but there was always, there was this, just this kind of selfish expectation. And if, if, if her dreams and hopes and desires came out, it was because she pushed them out, not because I asked her about them, you know, or because I was concerned with them. And that was probably a good, a good bit of the first part of our marriage. And I think over the, over the long haul, you know, the, the farther, the further up and further in that we go in this, in this marriage, um, I don't know, I'm learning like there's just so much more to her than what I thought, you know, that there's, there's this whole mysterious part of her where there's things that she wants to be and things that she wants to do and things that she cares about and loves. And, and, you know, fortunately I'm one of those things. And fortunately that means she's willing to put up with a lot of my baloney, but also there's other things. And like, I need to create space for her when she, when right. she signed up for the teacher, you know, Cersei's teacher apprenticeship program three years ago, like that was kind of a cool deal. Like, like she was interested in learning those things and reading those books and doing those things, not because I did, but she wanted those things for herself. And I don't know, I just thought that was really cool. And I, did, I don't know that I always was aware of those things when we were younger. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think parenthood and marriage exposes, it, I mean, it has a way of exposing our sin like nothing else. And selfishness is a big one. People, this is kind of a little side note here, but um, Shannon and I have talked about this many times because people have asked, what was the hardest transition? You know, was it going from one kid to two kids or two kids to three kids? Or, I mean, after three, it's easy. I think everyone, you've probably all heard that advice. I mean, if you can have three kids, you can have 10 and it doesn't mean you can afford them or house them, but you know, as far as logistically, you can figure it out once you're outnumbered. But the biggest transition for us was from no kids to one, because it, it was, so different to have to consider someone else's schedule and eating and needs and, you know, sleep, you know, whereas before Shannon and I could just, you know, if we wanted to go get coffee at 10 o'clock at night, we just went, you know, I mean, no big deal. You can't really do that with a newborn and have any, any <laughs> stability and peace in your life. Right. And so, but it brought out our selfishness and how much we were just kind of, we did whatever we wanted and didn't have to, didn't have to worry about anybody else. But yeah, marriage and parenthood can really expose that selfishness. Like you were talking about, Matt, that, um, that we don't, we're not even aware of. It's not like you're just actively intentionally trying to be a jerk. It's just, you know, but it, but it exposes it. It brings it out and how much of a struggle that can be. You know, it's the harder transition. Um, what's that? Going from all the kids to none of the kids. Mm. Sounds weird. It sounds like everything gets simpler, except now the only person you have to entertain you and the only person she has to entertain her is each other. There's a lot of a lot of a lot of weight but it gets added. Just a, lot of, a lot of pressure, huh? Yeah, man. A lot of pressure. And I bet you have to take out the trash all the time and everything. Right? There's no, no wow. boys in the house anymore to do that. That stinks. All right, all right, Brandon. What about yeah, you? I mean, I wish I had something drastically different, but I, I wanted to answer this question and say, I've learned how to be less selfish, but I'm not even sure I want to claim, <laughs> claim that. Um, <laughs> I, I think the best I can claim is that marriage has um, taught me what selfishness and selflessness actually are. Like before marriage, I thought I had, you know, started learning those lessons with friends and even with, you know, girlfriends and, um, even in our, during our engagement, right? Like learn, but at, at any point where you're not having to go back to the same house with the same person every day, you can kind of cut off how selfless you're willing to be <laughs> um, pretty easily. And I just, I did not understand what it meant to be selfless the way, the way we're called to be until I was married. And then, and then like you were mentioning, Brian, that just gets, 
with each additional person in that house, it gets amped up in a way. Um, okay. So now I have to consider three different people's opinions and perspectives and wants right. and needs. And um, the only way to consider not only my wife's needs and wants and, and not only my son's, but then the daughter and another daughter is to let go of more and more of mine as being important. Right. And so like, I can't add, I can't add perspectives and layers to that without being willing to kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but you know, you, you get your way even less the, the, the more people you're having to consider, which is a lesson we probably need all over the place, but there's no escaping um, in, in a marriage and in a family. And so, yeah, just having a better conception of, of what that really means. And I, I hope, I think that I'm, I've learned that. And I think that that's carried itself into other places. I, I, I believe that I'm better at being selfless in a workplace because I've had to learn it in, in my house where the responsibility falls on me in a lot of ways uh, to, to be the first one to be selfless. Right. In, in some ways, particularly as an example for our kids, uh, you know, you, you, me and my wife for them, but, and that's hard because Matt was talking about, there's this, you know, you can kind of go into it with this idea that, well, I'm going to do these things and she's going to support me um, possibly you can go with that one or, or we can both just do our own thing and it won't matter because they'll never conflict with each other. <laughs> um, like that's some kind of reality, but you very quickly realize it's not, I mean, it doesn't take very long to get out of the honeymoon period, like they say, and have to deal with those conflicts. Yeah. And that, that kind of dovetails into one, one lesson that I think has been important for me. Um, and that is just the, the ability to, the ability to take the long view of things and the ability to endure. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean, I, certainly Shannon has had to endure me, uh, on more than more occasions than I can count. But, but what I mean by that is marriage has, marriage has taught me that most problems, most rough patches, uh, most difficulties that we face in life are temporary, right? And, and they're seasons. So in a marriage, you know, I was taught in, and I believe this was in our, when we did premarital counseling with our, with our pastor um, who did our ceremony, we were taught to think of, think of marriage, like getting on an airplane and you, you don't take a parachute, right? In other words, um, there's, once you're on, there's, there's no way off. And that's the way that you need to go into a marriage that this is permanent right? There's, there's no way off this plane. And so there, there are times, uh, of course, in any marriage where you're like, you know, you're looking out going, eh, I might, you know, this is, this is a, this is a rough ride, right? This is, there's some real turbulence here. Um, and you go through seasons like that, whether it's adjusting to parenthood, whether it's, um, financial troubles, whether it's, um, career goals or a, a big move or selling a house or, you know, any number of things, but those are, those are going to be seasons of life. It's not permanent. It's not forever. And so marriage has, has taught me the, the importance of endurance, long suffering, patience, you know, all of those things that if you continue to, to work at who you are and you continue to, to work with your spouse continue to do the things that you know are right to do, you'll come out on the other side and you'll, and you'll learn something from it, right? You'll gain something from those hardships. And, and my wife has been just a, a wonderful model of that for me. And I've learned that, you know, you can endure hard times if you have someone there with you, you know, if you see your spouse as your as the one that you were supposed to be with to get through this, this hard time, this difficult time that you're, you're on the same side, right? You're struggling through this together that even the toughest parts of life you can get through um, if you, if you see it that way. So, and I, I think that's a very important lesson that I've learned through, through our marriage. Um, but <clears throat> it's something that, that I've been able to take into my work as a pastor and my work, my work as a teacher, um, my work in medicine, my parenting, you know, even, even personal struggles or struggles with friendships or whatever, that lesson of, of just endurance and seeing, seeing trouble as a season, not as a permanent thing. 
So um, I think marriage is a good model for that. So um, what has your marriage taught you specifically about, about women? Here come the crickets. No, no. <laughs> All right. Brandon, um, Matt wants you to start first this time. Oh, man. Um, I love hosting shows like this because I don't have to answer first. Yeah. Because yeah. now I'm in the position about generalizing about women, which will never, ever get me in trouble um, with anyone. You know, it's funny because I have three sisters, two older and one younger. So I thought there's a lot I knew about women from growing up with so many of them. And to some extent that was, there was some truth to that. Like, you know, I, I, my ears were not completely closed going around my house. So I picked up things, but women need to be interacted with differently in conversation than men. Like there, there's a different, what they're wanting is different. I think a lot of times than how men tend to talk to each other or interact with each other. And some of that I learned from direct interaction with my wife. Some of that I learned with her telling me, you can't talk to your daughters the same way you talk to your son <laughs> with her pointing out to me when I was doing that. And I think in a way, the advice you would give to someone, I mean, we were talking about earlier advice you give to a new dad is in, in most cases, the, your wife, when you, you know, when, when these things started happening, it, she was an adult woman, right? So there was like, she's capable of a little bit more grace of when you're not listening to her in a way that <laughs> she wants you to hear what she's saying or respond to how she's saying. And so it's, it's, it's recognizing that that's going to be, um, tougher for your daughters in, in, in some ways. So, you know, I mean, this is kind of a stereotypical one, but the learning that just because they tell you about a problem doesn't mean they're asking for a solution to that problem, unless they actually ask for a solution to that problem. Sometimes they just want to be heard in a way that's different. I think at least in my experience, typically I share a problem with a guy when I'm hoping he has some solution for me that I haven't thought of. And that's not always the case. And it's not about the yeah, nail, Brandon. I know, I know. It's not, it's not about the nail. Yeah. And this can obviously be, you know, taken to extremes and memed pretty well, but, but there's some truth there. There's some truth in the joke, right? There's some, there's some truth in the, in the, in the, um, in the humor there. And so it's just, it's that lesson of, of having to adjust and, and realize that there are differences between, and those differences are good. And those differences should be not stack ranked as one being better than the other, but differences between men and women being respected for what they are and um, learning how to be in a relationship with everyone is probably is, means you have to learn how to navigate those differences. So, yeah. And I think that's one of the unfortunate things about the, a lot of the discussions going on now is that we, we do, we do need to understand that um, men and women are different and that's okay. Right. E equality is not the same. Equality and sameness are not identical. Right. I mean, that, uh, that sounds redundant, but, and it should be an obvious distinction. Unfortunately for a lot of people, it's not. Um, but yeah, men and women are, are very different. And I've, I noticed that um, I've noticed it in many, many, many occasions, but um, I remember coaching cross country at um, Covenant Classical School, and we basically there was one coach for both the 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 boys team and the girls team, and so I was coaching boys and girls, and I I learned very quickly that while you can motivate a boy athlete by sort of challenging him, I mean our our coaches back in the day it was more like you know questioning your manhood you know <laughs> can can you do this or not you know um, and you can you can motivate a young man that way, but that doesn't, I learned uh, the hard way that doesn't exactly resonate with young ladies and they didn't appreciate it as much. So yeah, the interaction is different. The communication is different. The way it's received is different. So I want to hear what yeah, this sounds like when you go to a young female athlete and say, you're not manly enough. Like how, what, <laughs> what could go we, wrong? Yeah. We, we recently determined that our children were old enough to watch, uh, a league of their own. And so there's, you know, he famously just is yelling at them early in the, at the coach, right. Tom Hanks, his character. And like by yeah, the very last yeah. game, he like calls the same person over who's made them same mistake multiple times. And he's just like, his face is all crunched up and he's trying so hard not to yell and his fingers are moving all weird. And our kids are just like cracking up at his, like him having to like talk to her in a way that she can hear him. But like they tell, cause they get it, right. they get the humor, right. That like, uh, um, 
and they have to do it. And, then, and these are things I'm trying to teach my son. Like, you know, if you talk to your sister like that while you're playing a board game, she's not going to play with you anymore. <laughs> but yeah, right. The right. humor in there, the coaching thing is pretty funny. Yeah. And guy friendships and female friendships are, they're very different. My wife still, I don't, I, I think she's trying to understand why it is that like with men, if, if we insult each other, um, play tricks on each other, give each other a hard time constantly, it means that we, it means we like each other, right? Yeah. We're friends. And that makes no sense to her whatsoever. Like, um, no, you, you do those things if, if you're friends, right? Um, if you don't do those things, then it probably means you're not all that tight with each other. So, all right, Matt, you've had plenty of time to come up with something. <laughs> you learned anything about women well, in your 25 year marriage? I mean, you guys have said, you guys have pointed out, I think the important stuff is that women are, are different and it requires us interacting with them differently. So I won't reiterate that. I wanted to say something like, you know, women are people too. And, you know, acknowledge, acknowledge the, um, the dignity and the, and the, the value of women, but I don't think that's up for debate. I think we know that, right. That's not, yeah. not something that's, that's needs to be addressed, but I, th- this is what I'll, this is what I, w- I would say. Women are what I've learned about women in, in my lifetime now with a wife and, and a daughter is, is what I, I think what I've learned is that women are, there's something magical about them. I don't know what the right adjective to use is here. Something wonderful, something magical, something um, just incredible. And, and what I mean is like when I'm a young boy, maybe it could just be that I'm the one changing and it's not the women. Right. But when I'm a young boy, mom, a woman is this magical being to me, seemingly to me, magical being that, that, that does everything to like make, make it so that I can be alive. Right. Like, I mean, not just, just, not just birth me, but then feed me and love me and care for me and provide for me and teach me and train me and, and grow me up. And then, and then she somehow gets out of the way, whatever that means, she somehow gets out of the way. And then this other woman that's closer to my age haunts me in my imagination in a completely different kind of way. And yet still by the virtue of the fact that she's a woman, right? And I'm haunted in a different kind of way, right? And 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 my relationship is different with her. And I and I love her like I love my mother, but I love her in a way that's very different than the way I love my mother too, right? And there's just something kind of magical about that. And then and then a few years later, this young girl is born into the world. And I hold her for the first time. And it's completely different. It's completely different. I mean, I love her the way I love my mother. I love her the way I love her the way I love my my wife. And now I love her. But it's also very different in the way I love my mother. It's very different in the way I love my wife. And now I have this love with her. And even that is very different than the way I love my son. When I hold my son firstborn and he's holding him in my arms, I love him. And there's this magic to that relationship and, 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 and what's going to come of that and what that's going to grow into. But then when I hold my daughter, it's a different kind of feeling completely, not, not better, not worse. Right. I, I don't love her more. I don't love that. I don't love him less or vice versa, but it's a different kind of feeling that's that pulled out of me. There's like a tenderness that, that is provoked from me that I didn't even know existed until I'm holding that little girl in my arms. Um, Whereas, you know, with the boy, I'm thinking, I'm probably thinking something like in two years from now, I'm going to be wrestling this boy into the ground and beating the crap out of him until, you know, 12 years later when he's beating the crap out of me. But <laughs> with her, it's like, it's like, I don't know. There's just this, there's a tenderness that comes out and, and, you know, people always talk about how daughters can have their fathers wrapped around their fingers, but it's, there's something to it. Like, it's not, I mean, like you said, Brandon, or what you guys were saying about the nail thing, right? Like, like it's exaggerated. Yes. It's not always true. Of course not, but there's enough truth to it that people laugh at it. Right. Well, that's the same thing here, right? There's enough truth to that that idea that people say it and we get it, we know what it means. Right. And there's something about that. And then there's that, that, that woman and this femininity and this girl and this, this 
all of the stuff that comes with that. Like I'll be stereotypical here, right? But the pink and the unicorns and the princesses and the dresses and all of that stuff that comes. And then sometimes not, right? The climbing of the trees and the running and the throwing of rocks and the skipping of stones and all of those things that come with it. Um, but they come with it in a different kind of connection, a different package, but also a different connection, right? And it's and just to see to see the magnificence of a woman that that it, it looks this way when it's mother and it looks this way when it's wife and it looks this way when it's daughter. And then they, that woman has the ability to be all three of those is, um, mm. that is fascinating to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as, as you're talking, I'm thinking that going back to the question we talked about a minute ago, the, you know, the most valuable lesson, I mean, maybe the, uh, there's a part of that where, like you said, where you're interacting with different, women in different relationships gives this fuller picture of woman, but there's this, there's this way in which they're, they're us, right. They're, they're, they're us as in human, but they're also this thing that's other um, in a way that um, gives us a more complete image of what it means to be uh, the Imago Dei, like in the image of God, right. This, this, there's, there's things we see in woman that help us to have a more complete picture of, of, of God, of the Trinity, of, of, of the fullness of that. And it's in those different relationships, right? It's, it's in, in the same way we get a fuller picture of it by experiencing our own father and then being a father and having a son, we get a fuller picture of it uh, through marriage because uh, until that point, we mostly have our understanding of woman as mother, right? And there, there's some with sisters and friends, they like that, but, but there's this fuller picture we get when we, when we enter into marriage with someone. And then also when there's a daughter involved, yeah. And, and there's, I mean, it, it's tempting to just re- refer to this in a kind of humorous sense, but, you know, in creation itself, when, when God looked down at Adam before he had created Eve, you know, he looks at Adam by himself and he goes, well, that's not good. You know? Um, and, and I think most men recognize that, that, uh, you know, without our, without our wives, we're, yeah, we're no good on our own. And so I think you're right that, that there's very obviously this sense in which we are, we're incomplete, um, without, without woman, you know, without, without our wives, certainly, but, um, and kind of connected to that. And, and this is not, uh, necessarily as profound an observation. I mean, maybe it is, but one, one lesson that, that I've learned, or one thing that has resonated with me over time throughout my marriage is how important it is to be, to, to seek and then to marry a woman that you like, not just a woman you love, right? Not just a woman that you think is beautiful and not. So I love my wife, but I also like her. And I think that that is, that's something that is missing in a lot of conversations about, you know, how do you know who to marry? How, you know, what should you look for in a spouse? You know, that's a common question and it's a good question. And it's something that it's important for us to talk to our kids about. Uh, but one of the things that I have found myself coming back to over and over again in those conversations is you need to, you need to seek a friendship first. Shannon and I were friends long before we ever started dating long and, you know, long before we got married and that friendship has, it came along with us. You know, so yes, we're married. We've been married for almost 20 years now. And she's not just my wife. She, she's my friend, you know, and I know that's kind of a cheesy saying, you know, oh, today I marry my best friend, you know, and all that you can go to Hobby Lobby and find it on a, a plaque pre-made for you, you know, whatever. But in, in our case, it actually, it actually is true. I'm not saying all those people are lying, <laughs> but, but if you do have friendship with your wife, then that's going to go a long way. So I, I think that's one important lesson that I've learned is that um, for the, the women in your life, you need to focus on liking her, establishing a friendship because, you know, Matt, you talked about it. I mean, when you get to that empty nest, right, the kids are gone and now it's you and Patty. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I love my wife, but what about when you get to that, that stage in your life and it happens, right? I mean, all of us know husbands and wives that the kids leave and then they get divorced 
we've all heard stories like that. You know, they hit the empty nest and, you know, a lot of people looking on are like, man, they're home free. And the next thing you know, they find out, wow, we didn't even like each other. You know, it was, we had the kids for so many years and never built a friendship between husband and wife. And now the kids are gone and now what, you know? So um, I think it's an important lesson, maybe not necessarily just about women uh, specifically, but about marriage is that we, you need to marry someone that you like and you need to cultivate a friendship um, with your wife. And I think um, our wives need that. And I think we need that. And that lends itself to kind of another, you know, little side notes, just the importance of, of laughter, you know, laughing with your wife, enjoying the time that you have. And or at her. Um, I find that laughing at her also helps. Laughing at your wife. Yeah. yeah. You We're, know, back term. We're back is true. Um, right, Matt. Like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> okay. Um, well, those, those were some good lessons uh, that were, and, and applications of it. I appreciate you guys joining me. I mean, I know that none of us are claiming to be experts in any of this, but it is kind of nice. And I think it's helpful to hear other men just sort of share uh, that kind of common experience of, you know, what is it like to, to have daughters at, and, and to be a father to our daughters at those different stages. And then, what is it like after all these years of marriage? What have, what have we learned? And um, what are the things that we're still working on? Um, and I think this is a good way to start off this season of the podcast as we focus in a little bit more on those, on those issues um, in their different manifestations and different emphasis um, over the, the course of the season. So Matt and Brandon, thanks again for joining me today. Appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for helping me kick off season two. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks. Oh, absolutely. So for Brandon and Matt, I'm your host, Brian Phillips, signing off on this episode of the Weight of Fatherhood podcast. Tune in next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.